0: Hello and welcome. You're watching Medically Speaking. I'm Anakshi preti, And with me is a doctor who needs no introduction. I'm talking about uh, Dr. J.S. Satial. If you have ever Googled two words, ophthalmologist and Indian doctor, I'm sure you have come across this name. From taking care of the eyes of the biggest names like Dalai Lama, or even Atul Bihari Vatshapai. He even has a Padmashi to his kitty, but yet very humble. I would like to welcome Dr. Zatiyal. Hello, sir. Thank you for joining us. And first of all, many, many congratulations on your new role. Tell us about how challenging it is, what really you are looking forward to changing now that you have such a big chart under you.
1: Uh, thank you, Meenakshi, and uh, namaskar to all the viewers uh, for this uh, lovely program of yours. Indeed, you know, it's an honor for me to be a chief of the center. And you know that this center was named after the first president of India, Dr. Rajendra Prasad Center for Ophthalmic Sciences, New Delhi, a part of uh, AIMS, New Delhi, for the last almost, you know, more than our five decades. And this has been an institute uh, basically meant to service the uh, country, to provide the best uh, technical help possible to entire sector of society. Apart from that, uh, education to bring out the you know, best talent of this country and these talented people will serve the uh, community in large. And third important thing is to build up uh, infrastructure to help uh, Minister of Health in terms of uh, uh, making uh, blindness curable, preventable, and apply the guidelines for the society. And in fact, you'll be glad to know uh, this institute was the first institute to develop the blindness program in the country in 1976. And subsequently various blinding programs came from the various parts of the world. And uh, WHO, IPB, they all started blindness program after our program from the uh, indian uh, nation so we are very proud that uh, we did help in uh, making a blindness program as far as uh, challenges are concerned uh, chief of the center has uh, many many challenges to come across being a clini- clinician myself and surgeon that part uh, i have handled very very nicely in the last 30 years and i'll okay. do a uh, subsequently also but the challenges are basically uh, many folds. one is to take care of patients in a manner which they desire in an institution like AIMS, give yes. them the highest possible technical support, highest uh, newer technologies to improve the uh, outcomes in terms of investigation and surgery. And second important thing is to improve the space for the comfort of patients and relatives, which is so important nowadays, and make things uh, comfortable in terms of uh, service-wise, checking up process giving them a final interventional uh, treatment for these patients and improve the outcome for these patients second challenge which i am going to face is to improve the you know various functioning of the center in terms of uh, uh, making center much more approachable much more helpful to the uh, you know all sectors of a society and government also yeah I'm looking for uh, developing certain things which will come in future.
0: Right. So, but, you know, as the head of the RPI center, and especially because it seems, I'm sure there is a huge uh, disproportionate doctor versus patient ratio. Because we see it all throughout AIMS. Because end of the day, AIMS and a very few elite institutes cater to those who cannot afford really the best medication, the best doctors of our country. How do you plan to meet that challenge, sir?
1: You are, uh, you are absolutely right, uh, Binakshi, there is definite uh, uh, disproportionate uh, you know, manpower in relation to uh, giving a comfortable patient care to our patients. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, I Center is such a center where we get patients who are premature babies to a very, very old adult people. So we have a wide range of age group coming to us with different types of uh, uh, visual disability and requirement of treatment is different. So we have to make a different area for different type of people and different types of setups. And the technical support you rightly talked about, we do have a good number of faculty members which may be largest in the, you know, in the country. Yes. And they are well trained, well equipped with the various uh, state-of-the-art uh, equipments in the center. The other important issue which we are facing today across the country and institute is the ancillary manpower, that is technical support, the staff nurses, the other, you know, security people, the people who guide uh, our patients, social guides and counselors, those are the area which we are lacking. Uh, we need to improve those areas. If I say uh, one ophthalmologist would require at least two to four optometrists, technical optometrists to support the requirement of a good uh, treating area. So we have a definite lack of a technical you, support, which I'm going to okay, look at. That, that's
0: what you plan to meet, sir. But I'm sure your challenges have become many fold, considering we are in the COVID era. You have taken over at a very difficult time, sir, isn't it? Help us understand really, Um, how do you plan to ensure all these structural changes because the changes you talk about are manifold, from sprucing up the space, you said to getting more technicians, making the overall environment viable, approachable and comfortable for those who come. But is that possible, considering we are in such a difficult phase and third wave, inevitable third wave, many say is literally around the corner, sir.
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, that may be possible, uh, but we know that uh, we are never going to go back to our you know, p- previous stance. We, do, we can't have a same facility work for the, this particular challenging period of COVID. So we have already made a lot of modification and the future modification of our infrastructure would be there. There we have to make sure that we have a various stations for a patient to go through. and these stations are made in such a manner there's a definite a physical barrier or a distancing for people and apply other uh, resources to make things uh, uh, you know, comfortable for uh, patients relatives and the uh, service providers because all three segments has to be comfortably placed in our yes. infrastructure so we are segregating various areas patient uh, workup area investigation area and the interventional areas are segregated but only thing is we require more time so initially, if you say one patient in the RP center coming for a regular eye checker would take at least you know, one to two hours. Now that time frame has increased to almost three to three and a half hours. The number of patients are going to uh, de- definitely decrease to, have a, a, to accommodate in that time frame. But we are looking for a how to improve uh, the timings. So we are working right from 8 o'clock morning to now almost touching 5 to 6 p.m. for OPD services also. And we are- so
0: my question is, and I'm sorry I'm interrupting you here, but I want to know that as far as OPD service is concerned, and we always leave, you know, um, our comments open to us, and a lot of viewers, one query is coming again and again, should we go to our OPDs? you know, should we get a cataract operations right away, should we hold it considering it's COVID, what will you say to those as the chief who want to come to your center but are apprehensive of COVID?
1: I think no people have to uh, live up with this, this situation. We have to come out of uh, this fear in the mind that uh, COVID is there. Only thing is you have to take a proper precaution to not to get infected yourself or to infect other people. So if you understand that if you protect yourself, you are protecting other people also. That, that has to be the first thinking for all of us. So first protect yourself, then protect others also. In that way, it is quite safe to come to OPD services, especially those people who are yes. suffering. If you have a simple problems, it's better to have a teleconsultation, which is going across for the last more than one and a half years in Ames. We do a lot of teleconsultation services to our people. Okay. In there also, if you find that these people have a serious problem, which requires a definite investigation, then they are given an appointment to come to the hospital. Mm-hmm. In fact, now with the decreasing number of cases, we have opened, you know, direct access to our patients also.
0: Yes.
1: Apart from the online appointment, you can have a direct access also. Yes. We make sure that every patient has a mask because we provide masks also. We have a staff to put them a social distancing also. And there are people to take them to various areas so that they don't go here and there and don't crowd. So those precautions are taken. There are sanitizers available in every corner and doctors, staffs, they take take a full precaution with a proper PPE kit. Therefore, there's no chance of cross infection. So every uh, safety measures are taken for OPD. As far as surgery is concerned, people who are coming for surgery, we make sure they have a COVID negative results. So only after COVID, uh, RT-PCR negative test, they are taken to the OR and done surgery. And if somebody has had a COVID uh, in the past, we tell them to wait at least for a three months before they come for a surgery or any other serious checkup. Okay. But if they have a serious eye problem, then even there we have to take care of them. They don't wait at home. It's quite safe now to come out in the hospital because hospital will take the much more precaution than any other area
0: all right and sir you spoke about a number of changes which you want to bring uh in the rpi center as the chief tell us really what's your roadmap to do the same uh is what are the timelines uh you're looking at what's your roadmap to achieve your goals which you just spoke to us about sir
1: there are certain things which uh, i haven't you uh, know my pipeline uh, okay. first thing is to uh, the working environment has changed. So we need to have a new guidelines for all types of approaches for our patient care. And in that way, we are going to come out with a new guidelines for a patient coming for a, a various checkups, various surgeries, that is for a hospital. And we are going to make a new guidelines for the country. So how to uh, go about for uh, these uh, people who are living in a uh, remote places, who are living in urban areas, so those guidelines will uh, help us to streamline uh, all these difficult uh, times. Okay. Second thing is uh, we are looking for uh, 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 taking care of people coming with a blindness, especially like diabetic blindness, people coming with corneal blindness. That is being there for a long time. But I'm looking for a preventable blindness. The blindness which can be prevented at a doorstep, you know, at a grassroots. For that we are already doing a, a rapid assessment of uh, various causes of uh, blindness which are which can be preventable okay. like injuries malnutrition Fine. or uh, people use unnecessary medicine which are not required mm-hmm. or a uh, festival injuries uh, tuna packet injuries the various things which which, which are preventable in fact almost 70 percent or more causes of blindness can be prevented uh, If we can prevent those blindnesses, then we'll decrease the total number of patients who are going to get blind subsequently. So that is my, uh, we are going to work with the government to uh, look into uh, ways to uh, go into a peripheral area that is a primary center, like uh, district centers to make those guidelines to check uh, what is a preventable blindness, which are going to be based on uh, some sort of app, mobile app which will tell us that what type of disease a person is suffering from or what type of uh, environment he's he or she is working what type of injury or what type of damage can occur so that can be prevented to, to begin with that is one okay second is uh, look looking after the guidelines for our uh, children because they are all having a online teaching now and I'm pretty sure know, to
0: include to their television screens that's true yeah.
1: If third wave comes, then this period can go longer for these uh, kids. So yeah. there is no definite guidelines for how to uh, use their time in a uh, online system. How how much it should be the period for a you know regular BMD the uh, online? Should Hi. there be a gap in between? If there should be a gap, how much should be the gap? If they have a particular problem, how should they approach? So we are going to come out with a new guidelines for a online teaching. Right.
0: So sir, guidelines, of course, uh, for various sectors within the hospital for patients and various aid groups as well. And the right dissemination of information, that sounds, of course, like a coherent goal, sir. I have literally just two minutes left to wrap the interview. Sure, sure, sure. So my last question, sir, to you, uh, and um, of course, I'd like to take our viewers a little away from the RP Centre as well. Um, you know, Dr. are also known, of course, for uh, doing the first uh, live corneal surgery as well, sir. corneal transplants is something I want to talk about because we're seeing a lot of unfortunate casualties also, uh, you know, in the second had seen in the second wave. Um, last message for people, sir, eye donors, you know, people who are hesitant really to go ahead considering it's the COVID period. Perhaps this is the time when people should come ahead. I was reading, you know, about how aims is thinking of drones. You have uh, seventeen thousand plus surgeries which you've done, you know, in the last year itself. Out, maybe till date. Tell us, tell us a message which you'd like to give people as you sign off, sir.
1: I think uh, that's a very, very appropriate point for a, a social message to be given. Corneal transplant can, you know, bring the vision back to a people who are blind because of corneal opacities, and uh, there's a the large number of people awaiting surgeries. More than five lakh people await surgery at a given time, and this COVID time has decreased the donations. Uh, from across the world, including Delhi also. And now uh, we have started uh, collecting tissues and we take a sample also nasal swab and oral swab uh, from the donor and we do PCR testing for uh, uh, these donors also after their death. And if they are negative, we transplant these tissue to the awaiting patients. What I need to say is during this time also, pledging is not a difficult time. Pledge can be done online to the AIMS portal. You can pledge for an organ donation. You can pledge for an eye donation also. And if you have a death at home, you can always call us and we can come as a, you know, pick up as a voluntary donor. We have counsellors across the city. They can approach any yeah. hospital, any uh, mortuary that, and give them a lot of, uh, you know, uh, apart from counselling, grief counselling, we give them, you know, message that you are going to do a good service absolutely. to society and the donation will be the you know one of the you know totally best donation possible in a
0: lifetime sir. so of course a very positive message coming uh, from the new um, chief of the RPI center Dr. Satyal many congratulations once again uh, as I sign off we got two people from Uttarakhand Um, the anchor and so that's something I wanted to highlight right at the end great achievement sir many congratulations the whole state of course very proud of you thank you thank you for giving the time to speaking to us thank
1: you Minaki. I wish you all the best
0: thank you sir